Hey everybody, welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits. This is Jeff and uh, grateful that you guys have uh, tuned in again today. Uh, this is episode 111, 111 uh, Mavericks and Misfits episodes and um, each one of them of course has been different and uh, we love hearing from you guys. Met somebody uh, in Dawsonville at the North Georgia Revival on Sunday and they just expressed how God had used the podcast in their lives, and they fairly newly uh, saved in the last, I think, year, year and a half. And um, of course, you never know who's listening, but the thought hit me later on after meeting them, and they wrote a nice note, and I uh, was just able to kind of kick back and say, you know, when when God put it on my heart to start the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, it was during a season where I had just come out of cancer recovery, and was on a sabbatical, kind of regaining my bearings after some pretty severe treatments and battling and beating cancer. And uh, I was, I had so much, uh, I don't know if I'm, I guess call it revelation coming to me, but I didn't have an outlet because I was not serving at my church at that time. I was kind of on a, <laughs> it was an enforced sabbatical because people that cared about me were realizing how bad, um, you know, this thing had hit me and I was not this cancer battle. And um, I was unaware of my need for arrest, and so my family and my my partners in ministry basically said, "Hey, love you, man, <laughs> but you're going to take a sabbatical whether you want to or not." And I'm so glad that I did. I dug in my heels at the first because it's just I chomping at the bit to get back into the saddle. But um, during that time where I wasn't preaching and uh, just have very limited outflow, um, God was giving me all this stuff, and I felt led to create the podcast there in my own home. Uh, bought a little equipment and set up the studio and that was 111 episodes ago and you just never know who's listening and so I think back you know God started something in my life after a crisis season that turns out now to be a blessing to others and um, we're just humbled and grateful that um, anybody's listening and uh, we love hearing from you guys if you ever want to reach out with thoughts about an episode topic or comments about what you're hearing in any episode reach me at uh, comes to me directly at jeff at maverickmisfit.com. You can email me there, and um, uh, we'll do our very best to respond to the ones we can. I wish I could respond to everybody's email, and I just simply don't have the bandwidth to do that. But we try to respond to as many as we can. You know, today I want to talk to you about an issue that um, really has risen in my uh, my reality, my world, over, over and over again um, during the course of... Ooh, goodness, 28 years almost of preaching the gospel and most of those years in a pastoral local church capacity. And um, from time to time, you'll run into uh, somebody, I think they usually mean well, I really do, um, but they're somewhat misguided. And and I say this just respectfully, that they're ignorant of what it means uh, to be called to preach. And maybe I should just give a little background on that. My call to preach came four months after my conversion. And uh, this was very common in the Baptist church, uh, callings to preach, especially in the mid nineties. We saw a lot of young men, especially young men being just called by God, um, out of, you know, out of their, their sin, out of their complacency, out of their religion. And God just thrusting them, uh, thrusting upon them a call to proclaim the word. 
and I, you know, I'd, I'd only been four months sober, not just four months saved, but so, four months sober. And so I didn't know what a call to preach was. I knew right after I got saved, I had this incredible burning desire to know the word and to communicate the word. And so where I was working, I was witnessing, I was sharing my faith. People had realized that something strange has happened to Jeff Lyle because I was no longer the guy I used to be. And um, instead of, you know, foul language coming out of my mouth, there was praise. Instead of, you know, just dirty jokes and stuff like that, there was communication of the gospel. And this radical transformation had hit me. And I, di- I wasn't even trying to do anything. I was just excited about this amazing man named Jesus who had radically changed me, delivered me from uh, the bondages of sin and made me new. And so I was telling as many people as I could about it. And then on December 14th of 1994, just um, a little bit over four months after I was saved, I was, um, I was in a church service and being, it was being led by a missionary whose ministry was printed page. So he would print gospel booklets, gospel tracts, and um, that was his whole ministry. And I'm, I'm not being rude, but it was a very boring presentation. Uh, he was he was probably not a gifted public speaker, but he had a good ministry. But it, it was a Wednesday night service. Everybody was tired. He was somewhere close to 235 years old. <laughs> I don't know how old he was, but at the time he seemed like a really old guy. He's probably about how old I am now. But at the time it was just like this old man droning on and on. And about 15 to 25 minutes into his service, somewhere about halfway through his his presentation, I stopped hearing him and the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. Remember, I was a good fundamentalist Baptist in these days, so I had no grid for Holy Spirit communication uh, in that way. And he began to speak to me. And this is what I heard. I was sitting uh, almost on the back row on that Wednesday night service and I heard, you're going to preach the gospel. You're going to preach my word. I'm calling you to be a spokesman for me. You're going to preach my word. Now, I was overwhelmed, literally white-knuckled, holding onto the pew in front of me, just trying to get out of that service. So when the missionary finally ended his presentation, uh, my pastor got up at the end of the service, and he was closing out the service, and he just paused. It was a clear, dramatic pause. I don't think he intended it to be, but it was dramatic for me. And he just said, you know, I feel like God's calling somebody to preach tonight. There was like probably 75 of us in the room. I about had a heart attack because <laughs> he never, my pastor had never said anything like that in the four months that I've been at the church. And so, uh, I was, I was literally just trembling and I didn't go forward. I didn't respond. I was terrified. And, um, so as I, as he dismissed the service, I was trying to get out of there as quick as I could. And literally I'm only like four rows from the exit door and, a, and an older man named Roy stopped me on the way out, literally got between me and the door and he put his finger in my chest and he said, Jeff, I think you're going to be the next preacher around here. And I just, I was, I don't remember what I said to him, but I, I couldn't get out of there fast enough. So I got in my car, I rode home the mile and a half to my apartment and I went inside and somewhere inside of me, I knew I had disobeyed the Holy spirit. And so I, I felt some grief. I felt some deep conviction and, um, I have a point to all this, by the way, so just bear with me. And so I, I went and fell on my face. It was you know, very emotional. I was crying because I felt like I had failed God terribly. And I felt like I'd missed my chance to answer his call on my life. And I did what I don't recommend anybody do, but I did that old flip the Bible open, put your finger on a page, and that's going to be the word of the Lord to you. 
And so I had this big blue hardback life application King James study Bible. When I flipped it open and put my finger on it, I looked down through my tears and I could see where my finger landed. And and the heading of that passage was Ezekiel receives his call. And so I I started reading that night. I read about Ezekiel's call. I I found myself in Isaiah and read about Isaiah's call. And immediately I knew that God Almighty had just released to me my life purpose, which was to proclaim the word of God. And that was 28 years ago. I was 24 years old. I had no Bible education. I had no formal training. I had only been saved and sober for four months. Excuse me. But I knew that this was God's assignment for my life. So I'm going to flash forward uh, and just say over the years, uh, eventually I became an associate pastor. I actually started as minister of evangelism, minister of evangelism at Meadow Baptist Church. Then I became the assistant pastor. Then I became the lead pastor. And then we merged years later with Cornerstone Assemblies of God, and we became New Bridge Church. And the New Bridge Church uh, merged with IHOP Atlanta, and we joined the, the global prayer movement. And then eventually I stepped down from there and started pastoring at the church at Winder. And one of the consistencies that I found in all of those seasons, many different, like majorly different seasons in ministry, but what I found is this, God has always held me accountable never to prostitute my calling. That my voice was not for sale. That probably the deepest ministry conviction that I hold to is that I am accountable to God to receive from him what I'm supposed to say and I'm supposed to say it and I'm not supposed to tweak it. I'm not supposed to um, alter it. I'm not supposed to condition it. I'm not allowed to use it to, to manipulate one way or the other. And ultimately the thing that God reminds me of over these 28 years of preaching is that my voice is not for sale. So the, the idea that I want to share with you today, because some of you um, are, maybe you're not a preacher per se, but you are a Christian. You are a witness. You are an ambassador for Jesus. You are an, a representative of him in your family, in your workplace, in your school, in your church, among your peer group. Um, you, you are his If you're saved, you're bought with a price, and that buying with a price indicates he owns us. That's not a popular idea among Christians anymore, but it's still biblical. He owns us. We belong to him. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. He is Lord. And so when we're thinking about that, part of the ramifications of no longer belonging to yourself is that you're you're representing Jesus. You represent the word of God of God, your values, your morals, your tenets of faith, uh, your convictions, everything that expresses in in the unredeemed world uh, is expressed by opinion. We actually aren't entitled anymore to have our independent opinions. Our opinions should be convictions. We should say what we say as under the Lord. And so across the span of going on three decades now of preaching, um, I have on occasion had people tell me what I should be preaching. And 
this is recent, this is historical, this is all throughout those years, I have people, and they're almost always individuals who've never preached, who have no call to preach on their life. They're typically church members, and they mean well, and what they, they, they view the, the preacher or the pastor as, as the person who should be speaking what they themselves believe is the most important thing to hear. And so they will from time to time, they, it's, it's different with each person. Some of them are really aggressive. Some of them will say, we're sick of hearing this. You need to say this. Or, hey, you're not touching on a topic that is very important in the culture and people have questions about. I want you to preach on this. And then others are more mild. They'll say, hey, Jeff, would you consider uh, maybe doing a series on this? And I think that's okay. I think when it's presented as somebody humbly saying, hey, will you, will you consider this? This might be something the Lord would have you speak into because it would help the people. Nothing wrong with that at all, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that presume to tell the preacher, the prophet, somebody who is speaking on behalf of the Lord under a calling that he or she will give account to God for. They presume to tell that person what they're supposed to speak. And let me just tell you, I have a very standard, firm, not mean, but a very firm answer to people that try to do that with me. I tell them, get off this holy ground. This is my calling. This is between me and the Lord. And I have an unwavering voice that is not for sale. And sometimes people accept that and sometimes people don't like that at all. But the bottom line is, is it doesn't matter because it's true. So for those of you that do have a calling on your life, just very quickly, because I don't know how many of you that are listening would say, yeah, I've got a call of God on my life to speak, teach, preach, prophesy, um, evangelize, whatever you want to call it. Let me just remind you, the content that you proclaim comes from God. It comes from God and it can't be tweaked to suit the appetites of people. He called you, and in that calling is an inherent trust from the Almighty that you'll be loyal to him, that you will take the time to listen to him, that you will base your communication on his behalf from his holy, written, authoritative, inspired, and eternal word. And so the I guess the teacher gift, well, they can take any passage of the Bible at will. They can teach through those scriptures and they'll fulfill in their calling. But when it comes to pastoring and it comes to prophecy, we have to hear the Lord because the Bible, you know, you got, you got all these books of the Bible, you got all these verses, you got different types of passages in scripture. And we have to listen to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the only one who can reveal the heart of God to people. And he chooses to do that oftentimes through a spokesperson. And so that spokesperson has to be listening to God to know what God is saying. And you have to then speak what God is saying. Now, I'm going to give you an Old Old Testament couple of verses because this is a passage of scripture that gripped me a few months ago when I had an individual that was trying to, you know, solicit <laughs> um, me to preach what they wanted me to preach. And in, in case then it was a rebuke of what I had been preaching. And, uh, you know, I wasn't mad or anything because this is not the first time, but I just realized this person was operating in ignorance and assuming to tell me what, what God wanted me to preach. And I'm thinking, well, I've been doing this a long time and I can actually hear from the Lord and I'm just going to continue to do that. And I'm going to let you have your opinion, but I'm not going to bow to it. 
because that's what it means to have an unwavering voice. My voice belongs to the Lord. And so, um, and I, I get it. Some of y'all won't like that. I don't care. <laughs> I don't. I look, I'm so over it. I, I, I just, I don't care. If you have a call to preach on your life, you'll get what I'm saying. If you don't, you should consider what I'm saying, especially if you sit under a pastor or a prophet or a teacher that doesn't scratch your itch. And they don't, they don't communicate what you want them to communicate. Just be really careful not to intrude into some territory. God has not invited you to tell his spokesperson what to say. Cause I think that would be dangerous because you, you have to recognize at some point that maybe God is speaking to that mouthpiece of his about things that he's not talking to you about. Maybe God wants you to listen to what he's saying through that person, even though it's different than what you wish that person would be saying. That's not new. Let me give you this passage from 1 Kings 22. I'm only going to read a couple of verses, but it's a very interesting passage. So you got King Jehoshaphat, and then um, he's, he's, he's trying to find out what the will of the Lord is. And he says, is there not, this is 1 Kings 22, by the way, verse 7, 1 Kings 22, 7. He says, is there not here another prophet of Yahweh of whom we may inquire? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, but I hate him for he never prophesies good concerning me, but evil. Okay, pause here for a second. So you got the king of the southern portion of Israel and the king of the northern portion of Israel. Jehoshaphat saying, don't we have a true prophet of the Lord? Because he's saying to the the king of Israel, he's saying, hey, your prophets are fake. (laughs) These guys aren't representing Yahweh. They're off. Something's wrong with them. Do we have a true prophet? Is there anybody that's a true prophet of whom we may inquire? And so the king of the northern tribe says, yeah, we got this guy named Micaiah, but I hate him because he won't prophesy good stuff over me. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. In other words, Jehoshaphat says, hey, give it a minute. Let's just not go down that road. Let's see what this true prophet has to say. So verse 9 of 1 Kings 22, it says, So the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, Bring quickly Micaiah, the son of Imlah. Now you go down a few verses into 22.13, and it says, The messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. Okay, pause for a second. So Micaiah gets summoned to speak before these two kings. And the messenger of the king who said earlier that Micaiah hates him and doesn't prophesy good, sweet, nice, kind, edifying, encouraging stuff over him. In other words, he didn't like Micaiah because Micaiah told the truth. (laughs) And sometimes the truth, and this king was a sinful king, and sometimes the truth rubs people the wrong ways. And so Reluctantly, the king brings Micaiah to his court, but he sends a messenger, and this is what the messenger says. Hey, Micaiah, we got a good thing going on. The king's in a good mood. Um, All of his prophets, his hired prophets, fake prophets, by the way, all of them are prophesying favorable stuff to the king, and you need to join your voice with them. So right away, you have this true prophet of God named Micaiah, and the temptation is, Micaiah, 
Alter the message that you get from the Lord. No matter what the Lord says, make sure what you say is 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 good, is easy on the ears, is you know flattering, is um, encouraging. Don't preach any heavy stuff. Preach nice stuff. Talk about how loving and kind and gracious and merciful and pleased God is with everybody. Could you do that, Micaiah? Now look at Micaiah's answer. And this is the last verse I'll read. 1 Kings twenty-two fourteen. 14. It says, Micaiah said, As Yahweh lives, what Yahweh says to me, that's what I will speak. As Yahweh lives... What Yahweh says to me, that is what I will speak. Kaboom, door shut, and off we go. We know where Micaiah stands. So I want you to think about that because it's a template. It's a template for unwavering voices in every age that presume to speak for God. And let me tell you, it is more difficult now in the American culture to have the backbone of Micaiah in your ministry because the culture no longer validates nor values what true prophets, preachers, spokespeople for God to have to say. Now, there was a time in the American culture where people expected preachers to tell the truth. They're now kind of sarcastically referred to as fire and brimstone preachers. And it conjures up images of the 1940s with some angry man in a suit pointing his finger screaming at a, you know, uh, sawdust revival under a tent and people running to the altar and weeping under conviction. And it's a, it's a caricature kind of thing. But the fact of the matter is, is that back in the day in my, probably my dad's childhood, my, my, my dad would have been born in the mid forties. And in my dad's day and up probably until the early 1960s, and then it started tapering off. What am I talking about? Conviction, not for sale voices, unprostituted callings. Preachers were preachers. They believed the word of God. They preached the word of God. Whatever God wrote or spoke, they, they said, they communicated. They didn't apologize for it. They left the, the, they left the sharp edges on it. They didn't round it off. It didn't have to be politically acceptable. It didn't have to be uh, uber affirming. Because they were coming against the tide of sin and corruption that has always existed in mankind. And the voices of the prophets and the preachers were the voices that, counter, that God used to counteract the spirit of the age. And it worked. <laughs> if you go back <laughs> several decades, especially you guys that are younger, go back to the 50s and the 40s and the 30s and the 20s it's not that you know people were completely sinless back then but the culture was extremely different like radically different much more at least at the very least outwardly aligned with the heart of God as revealed in scripture than we are today now flash forward into our day and you go back about 30 years where there started to be this militant opposition to biblical voices to preaching, to prophetic confrontation, to representation of the Lord as an unapologetic ambas ambassador of Jesus Christ who would say, thus saith the Lord. And so then there came the, the, the church growth movement and the seeker-friendly movement. And in other words, hey, don't say the tough stuff because people that aren't saved don't understand. Wow, that's amazing because for, I don't know, 2,000 years, when the tough stuff was preached to people who were unbelievers, they repented. They got saved. 
They they turned from their wicked ways. They they bowed before the Son of God, Jesus Christ, as sinners who had been convicted of their need for a Savior. But all of a sudden, you know, you go back about 30, 40 years ago, you've got these church growth gurus that say, hey, the better way is not to say the tough stuff. And um, guys, we're reaping what we sowed. So here's what I believe, and I'm going to wrap up here in a few minutes. We need a baptism of the same spirit that Micaiah was governed by. Where when he was told by people in authority, hey, don't say the tough stuff, say the sweet stuff. And Micaiah just kind of, I picture him as just kind of looking, you know, out of one eye, just sideways glancing at that dude, that messenger, and just saying, um, Yahweh called me to preach. I'll say what he says. Now let's go talk to this king that summoned me. You know, wh- where, what happened to the backbone? What happened to the spiritual spine of the church? And by the way, while we're, while we're looking at the church and others in the church and the, you know, the, the need for reformation in our pulpits, let me just ask you, where's your voice? Are you standing boldly? You may not have a platform publicly or you may not have a, a pulpit ministry, but where's your voice? Where's your voice at work? Where's your voice when it comes to people talking about cultural issues in such a bold, declarative, unapologetic way as they, as they advance the sinful agenda of a fallen culture? Where is your voice? Have you bought into the, well, we got to play nice because the enemy's not playing nice. The, the devil's crowd is not rounding off their words. The devil's crowd is, is not pulling back. The devil's crowd is, is not saying, well, let's be tolerant and let's embrace the views of the Christians too and let's give them an ear. No, friends, pull your head out of the sand. It's, it's an outright declaration of war against the God of the Bible and his people. And what's sad is that a lot of Christians in, in the terribly misconstrued understanding of what it means to be gracious and merciful and meek and mild and turn the other cheek they're actually laying down everything, including their biblical convictions. And we've gone muted. Like the mute button's been pressed on the church by the culture, and the, and the church is saying, okay, no problem, we don't have to say anything. Or the church says, well, no, we have a right to talk, but we'll, we'll water it down a little bit. We'll dilute it. We'll make it palatable. We'll add a little cream to it so it's not so uh, bitter. And I'm thinking to myself, we, we don't understand that Jesus Christ, the Lord, hasn't changed his nature, his ways, his word, nor his mission. That salt is still salt. And he said, you're the salt of the world. Guess what happens when salt gets in an open wound? It hurts, but it purifies. And the church no longer wants to be salty. And I mean that in the sense of, you know, coming hard where we need to come hard. And being kind where we need to be kind. But the problem is, is this, this terribly misguided uh, demand for people to change what the messaging is so that other people can be comfortable. What in the world? May I be so bold to say that that mindset, when a person believes that the messaging of the church must always come off as sweet, tender, kind, and accommodating, and loving. When, when somebody believes that that version is the version of Christianity, they've been deceived. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, said a lot of hard stuff. 
Not to mention it was backed up one time by him flipping over tables in the house of worship. Uh, Actually, twice that happened. Read the Apostle Paul's letter. The Apostle Paul stood in his conviction so hard that he had to break off ministry cooperation with Barnabas, and they went their separate ways. You, you also have Paul getting up in the face of Peter, as the book of Galatians reveals, when Peter was doing, <laughs> he was compromising his own convictions for the sake of being acceptable to the Jewish brethren who'd come in to spy out their liberty. And Paul got up in his face in the middle of everybody, like in the presence of everybody, and rebuked Peter. By the way, Peter got another rebuke from Jesus when Jesus called him Satan and said, get behind me, get out of my face, Satan. You desire the things of man, not of God. Yeah, we forget that stuff, man. And we, we get this idea that uh, that Jesus and all of the apostles were kind of sweet, gentle, you know, hippies sitting on a hillside, strumming their guitar to Michael Rowe, your boat ashore, and eating bird seed and musing about nature while doing watercolor paintings of a, you know, pasture land and a setting sun. Oh, man. The, the, the lack of... The lack of fiber, the lack of gristle, man, the lack of 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 like grit in the church um, is something that's got to be remedied. And I don't have time to counterbalance it because some people hear a message like this and they or a podcast like this and they think, well, uh, I, Jeff's saying we need to be obnoxious. No, I'm saying we need to be people of conviction. We need to be unapologetic about our convictions. We need to understand that some people are slow to believe, so it's not about picking a fight. But we have to come to the place where we quit apologizing and we let people know that we have unwavering voices that are not for sale and nobody can buy our calling. I don't care how much they pay you. I don't care how much elevation they give you in the public eye. I don't care how many followers you get on social media. There comes a time where everybody needs to remember when all of this wraps up down here on planet Earth, and it comes the day of reckoning, that the Word of God teaches that every single Christian will give a answer, an answer to Jesus Christ for what they did during their lifetime with what He gave them. And there's going to be a lot of people that, in some way, I don't know, I know He's atoned for our sins, but the Bible says there's going to be an accounting. So, in some way, you will give an account for what you did with your born again life. And the last thing I want to do, and by the way, if you're a preacher or a teacher, uh, we're told in the book of James that um, the judgment, the accountability for a preacher and a teacher is stricter than it is for the all other Christians. Now, you get that. There's a stricter accountability on those who are called of God to preach and teach the word. We have a stricter accountability. That's why we have to have our minds made up to a much higher degree that our voices will not waver. Because I will not be one of those who stands before the Lord Jesus Christ and him say, hey, you gave in to pressure when that guy told you what you ought to be preaching and you knew in your heart that that's not what I had assigned you in that season. Jeff, there's no reward for you in that. You made everybody happy, but you disobeyed me. No reward for you. And man, I tremble at that. I'm like, I don't want to stand before the pierced hands of Jesus and bow at the pierced feet of Jesus and know that I cared more what people thought about what I should preach and teach than what Jesus commanded me to preach and teach. And the same goes for all of you that are listening. We got to make up our minds. We got to open our mouths. 
We got to purify our tongues and we got to say, my voice is unwavering. My message is not for sale. I'm a Christian. I say what the Lord says. Some people will like it and respond. Some people will hate it and fight me. It doesn't matter. I've made up my mind. I will not change my message to please anybody. Not my family members, not church members, not people in the community that are not born again, not those who misunderstood us. We will make up our minds and we'll say, Jesus, anoint my tongue to speak your truth. And Lord, I trust you entirely with the responses of people. And as we approach the end of the age, I'm going to make you a promise. You hear me, you guys that have a call on your life and everybody else too, but I feel like the, the pulse of the Lord on this thing. For some of you that are exploring a call, if you have an insatiable thirst to be popular and liked and accepted and approved and affirmed, don't answer the call. It would be better to you to say to the Lord, Lord, I know you're calling me, but I'm not in a place where I can stand and fulfill that calling in honesty, integrity, and loyalty to you. Get my heart right. And then Lord, help me to get my heart right. And then Lord, I will say yes to you. So those are some kind of um, deep challenges from Mavericks and Misfits today. And I hope that you'll listen. Hey, listen, go by um, the website. Go by transformingtruth.org. Or if you're interested in um, kind of connecting with the archives of Mavericks and Misfits podcasts, there's 110 of them before this one, and you can find that at maverickmisfit.com, maverickmisfit.com. And, of course, subscribe to Mavericks and Misfits, and it'll be downloaded wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, iTunes, whatever. And um, listen, uh, continue, continue to press in. And ask the Lord what he wants to say to you in this season. And then consider, should you be saying those very things to others? Because typically, if he gives you a message, he probably wants somebody else to hear it too. So be faithful to speak what he speaks. Be faithful to keep doing what you see him doing. Get connected to a word and spirit church. If you are not, you need to. Time's too short. It matters where you go to church. It matters where you go to church. Find leaders that will love well lead well, preach the truth, rely on the Holy Spirit, and bring the gold out of you. If you've got passive church leaders that pat you on the head and tell you in every season that you're fine and you're doing great and you're awesome, they're probably lying to you. If they never challenge you, then I would venture to say that they've already compromised their calling. Get out of that place and get in a place that will stretch you so that you are limber when the battle comes. We'll talk to you next time on Mavericks and Misfits. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.